0: I am on a mission to help organizations drive long-term success and results by implementing an unshakable transformation model. This model puts the employee at the center and works outward to support every aspect of the human experience in the workplace. Welcome to the Human Method Podcast. I am your host, Megan Bond, founder and CEO of the Bond Consulting Group. This podcast is designed to explore incredible guests as experts in a variety of professions and experiences to learn more about the tools that will transform an organization one person at a time. If you are seeking to improve yourself and how you live your life or an organizational leader seeking to make a larger impact on your company through culture change, then this podcast is for you. If you are interested in learning more about personal or organizational transformation, I would love to connect with you. You can chat with me today at www.thebondconsultinggroup.com. Be sure to subscribe and get easy access to future episodes. Thank you and enjoy today's episode of The Human Method. Join me in welcoming our next guest. With over 20 years' experience in the corporate world as an executive speechwriter and senior communications professional, she decided to pursue her passion for health and wellness by becoming a nutritionist, health coach, and personal trainer. Seeing firsthand the negative effects the C suite lifestyle can have, she felt called to work with and improve the well being of executives entrepreneurs, and other busy professionals. In 2019, she launched her company, The Flourish Group, which started as an executive health coaching business. And in 2020, she added a workplace wellness component to enable companies to stay connected to employees at home with engaging and informative wellness content. She has since expanded that into providing workplace wellness across several platforms and mediums. She still keeps her writing and communication skills sharp as a consultant to and freelance writer for food, fitness, and wellness organizations. She is often tapped by media outlets seeking expert insight and most recently partnered with GetGo Market and Cafe as their healthy living expert, providing health tips for GetGo's social media channels. When she's not running her business, you can find her cooking, hanging out with her family, which includes her husband, two adult children, and granddaughter, or on her Peloton. Please join me in a warm welcome to Nikki Campbell. Nikki, thank you for being with us today.
1: Thank you so much, Megan. It's always so weird to hear your own introduction, but <laughs> I, appreciate, I appreciate it, and I'm so excited to be here.
0: Well, Nikki, I have to say, I have been looking for one of you for quite a while. (laughs) I think that to have the combination of not simply the physical component, but also that nutritional component is is so important when working with clients. Um, And and I can say myself, and I I really want to get into this with you and ask you this question, but I've had plenty of trainers throughout my lifetime, some better than others, and, you know, I always do find it a challenge of vetting the right person to help you through your fitness journey. And, you know, with COVID and work from home, and I, I know we're getting back out into the world again, but I think it really has shed light on the important, importance of physical movement in combination with eating healthy and eating well. Um, which really activates our, our cognitive function, our mental health. It, it, it supports everything we do. And I think so often the health and wellness piece falls to the wayside when something else comes into play, whether it's a night of drinking with friends or it's a busy work week. We simply put our health and wellness on, on hold. And in going back to you know, vetting the right people to support us in that process, what does that look like in your industry Nikki I mean what what is the health coach industry um, what are the credentials what does it take
1: to be a health coach yeah that's that's a great and and loaded question um, it is it, it's I guess the positive is, is it's a very wide open field so there are there is a health coach for everyone so when I say that um, you know for myself, I focus on the executive or, you know, kind of the, you know, director VP and above uh, person in an organization, there are coaches and trainers for, you know, new moms and older moms and uh, seniors. I mean, our, our biggest, you know, population right now is, you know, the baby boomer population. So there are trainers focused on that. And I think that's the, the good news the the bad news is, is that health and wellness um, as a term is just so vaguely defined sometimes. So um, it can be everything from, you know, what falls under that, it can be physical therapy, it can be occupational therapy, it can be nutrition, it can be, you know, what people traditionally think of as a personal trainer. And because of that, because it's such a big umbrella, what you're finding is that a lot of people have, you know, kind of self-proclaimed as health coaches and um, it, there, there aren't a lot of governing uh, bodies um, there, you know, the organization that I went through the American council on exercise is credentialed it is um, accredited. So it's, it's more based in science, uh, the physical sciences and things like that. But there are very few people who spend the time and the money to go through those programs to get those types of credentials. So there's a lot of online coursework. And, and I'm not, you know, I am try, try not to make too much judgment. But, you know, there's, there's varying degrees of investment in education. And so I think when people are looking for a health coach, it's really, really important to dig into those credentials, to dig into... Um, You know, where, where is their nutrition education coming from, especially nutrition, because it does um, impact just about every part of our bodies, you know, it's, it's your heart, your brain, your joints. Um, So it's really, really important to kind of dig into those credentials and ask the questions and find out if they're the right fit for you um, it's, I'm not a right, I'm not the right fit for everyone. And, you know, so I often refer to other trusted trainers and health coaches. Um, but it is, it's one of those things where, yeah, it's a great opportunity. There's, there is a lot of opportunity for people who want to get into the industry. There isn't a lot of regulation and that is, and uh, on the nutrition side, there is some you know, across the country, there are some uh, pieces of legislation that are are aiming to change that, so that you can't just call yourself a nutritionist because you took a nutrition class online. So, um, so that's good. I mean, I think you know, regulation um, when it comes to health and safety is is important. So, it's it's getting there, but right now, I, I would just anyone who's out there looking, I always say, you know, dig into the credentials, ask to see where they received their education any good trainer, any good health coach will provide that to you, you know, readily and and excitedly. Mm
0: -hmm. What's the balance for you between the nutrition piece and the training piece?
1: So I look at it. So my company, the flourish group, I have kind of a foundational approach and it's, I call it the five foundations of flourishing. And as a writer, i love alliteration. So I just couldn't help myself. Um, but it's, you can't have one without the other. Mm -hmm. So there's an old awful cliche saying, you know, that, you know, you can't out train a bad diet. Um, there is no bad diet or good diet. I, I don't like to assign, you know, good and bad to foods. Um, but it's true in the sense that they have to work together. So you have to put the right foods into your body in order to be able to exercise. But even beyond that, and before I even get to that, it's these three other components that people, especially executives and and professionals tend to ignore and that's sleep, stress and hydration. Mm -hmm. And so we focus on those three things first, because when you have those in place and working really well, the food and the fitness come much easier Mm -hmm. when you're not stressed out, when you've slept really well, guess what? You make better food choices. Because you're not craving sugar and you're not craving that afternoon coffee drink loaded up with all sorts of good stuff, you know, that tastes delicious, but is not necessarily, you know, in line with your nutrition goals. So it's, it's to say holistic, because it's very overused as a word, but to say holistic is really true. I mean, you can't have, you, you see very few marathon runners who have crappy diets and don't sleep very well you know, it, I mean, they, they have to have all of those components. So I do a lot of lifestyle coaching before I even get mm-hmm. to the food and the fitness, because for the most of my clients, lifestyle is their biggest challenge. They don't get a lot of sleep, they are stressed out. You know, you ask them when is the last time they had, you know, a, a bottle of water, and they look at you like you're crazy. So mm-hmm. Um, so we get those three things under control, then we move on to the other two and they're much easier. Mm. And that's why I'm different from other trainers, because if you meet with a personal trainer in your gym, they're all about the physical, you know, they might not have the credentials to, to give you the nutrition advice and and some of the other stuff. So it's all, it's all going to work together and it's never all in balance. So you just have to learn how to, how to kind of keep it in balance as much as possible.
0: Oh, my gosh. So, Nikki, tell me why. Why is it that when I am tired, like last night, um, I went for the lemon bars. Even though I've been working really hard, I haven't had dessert in over a month. Um, I have a a wellness goal for myself, and I could not control – well, I shouldn't say I couldn't control myself. I chose not to. Um, Why? Why is that?
1: Because your body is craving energy, and so, you know, those – those cravings are because you've not slept well. And, you know, and, and most times if you don't sleep well, then you may not have exercise and I'm not saying Mm -hmm. this is you, but you know, so it's this snowball effect. So sleep really, I, I always, it's like a toss up between sleep and stress is what I focus on first, Mm -hmm. because I feel like sleep, it just, the rest of the day is completely ruined, but your body is like, I need, I need a quick fix. So of course you don't want the slow burning carb of a you know a whole wheat piece of you know toast <laughs> with some you know nut butter on it. <laughs> you know that lemon bar sounds a lot better because it's going to give you, it has a, a much faster uh, release of, of sugar into your bloodstream. So you know mm-hmm. it's gonna it's gonna provide that pick me up very quickly versus your you know your sensible side knows that if I eat you know whole grain with some healthy fat. I'm going to stay full longer and that's going to be a sustained energy release. So I'm not going to get that big sugar spike right away. So that's, that's why, I mean, and plus the lemon bars tend to taste better, you know, like, and when you're tired and you don't feel like making something or there isn't something that's comparable, that's on hand, that's a little bit healthier. You're going to go for what's there. What's easy, what's fast, what's convenient, what's in front of me that tastes good I don't want to deal with it. I mean, that, that is literally, you're explaining every client I have Mm -hmm. (laughs) that I've had this conversation. So, um, it's just, it's just a natural response to your body being exhausted.
0: Yes. And I think that the psychological, um, component to that is, you know, so often we make these commitments to ourselves, you know, I'm going to eat better. I'm going to do this differently. And when we get to a place where we're tired, stressed, or not hydrated, We break or have a tendency to break these commitments we've made to ourselves, which I also think impairs the relationship we have with oneself. So going back to that holistic experience, as we go through this cycle of breaking these promises to ourselves and then getting back up and doing it again, I think it can also even lean to burnout to a degree. So, how do you deal with the with the psychological aspect of this work and helping people really learn to break down to rebuild their
1: lifestyle? So it's as you're as you're explaining this, I'm like, oh, this is so great because I I love talking about the people I work with are used to winning they're very goal oriented, they're very um, focused on the finish line. And I, so the typical engagement is about 12 weeks with somebody. And so the first month is really breaking down all of those, those habits that have helped them succeed, which is so counterintuitive, because They're like, no, I just, you know, I, I focus on uh, these three things all the time. And I set these goals and I meet these goals and I have a plan and all of that's really important. And I do all of that type of thing with my client. But what I try to do is break down the idea that there is a finish line. Mm. There's no finish line. This is, this is your life. I mean, we know what the finish line is, (laughs) you know, so we're trying to put it off. So I, I try to impart on them that, like, let's not be the high-powered execu- executive in this situation. Let's be a learner. Let's be somebody who is open to enjoying an experience, who is patient, who is, you know, looking to build long, um, lifelong, sustainable habits. It's very difficult for these these people who who are, you know, they're high achievers. They are amazing, brilliant people who have like, you know, done amazing things. So to, to get them to kind of focus on that, we take away the competitive part of it. This is not, you're not competing with anyone. I mean, yes, they, you know, may want to run a marathon or, you know, climb a a mountain, something like that. That's fine. You can have those, you know, self-competitions, but we talk about this is you know psychologically, this is just the beginning this is this is a lifestyle change. you have to be forgiving with yourself you have to be willing to be vulnerable you have to be willing to really invest in um, you know or investigate is the word investigate in what what is your reason? why are you doing this? It's not for money it's not you know there is no fame that comes with this this is what is your why? You know, and that sounds cliche, but that's one of my favorite books. Uh, start with why. You know, what why are you doing this with anything in your life? Um, because when you have that, and you have that strong correlation to why this is important to you, that keeps you going. Versus kind of the highs of you know the the runner's high of you know being in business and getting that client and building that team or you know achieving the next level of success. I like to look at this as, you know, this is, this is the long game. This is for the rest of your life. So you have to be willing to, to, to be, you know, kind of start slow Mm. to really win this, you know, this race. And it's, it's a tough, it's a tough thing for a lot of people to understand at first and to kind of let go of, but once they do there every client that I have who has really embraced that process is like, I just, I, it's so good to let go of, of all that pressure that I've put on myself, all that, that internal pressure that, you know, I need to lose weight. I need to lose weight. I need to lose weight. Instead of thinking of it as I need to be healthy so that I can live long to enjoy everything that I, that I've built in a business. Cause I always say that, like, what, if what happens if you are this crazy successful entrepreneur and you, you know, you die in your fifties, and don't get to enjoy all the all the things you have done and all of the wealth that you've accumulated because you have you neglected your health. So once they kind of let go of that, it's just like such a cool thing because they're like, "Huh, okay. I don't have to. I don't have to be the smartest person in the room. I don't have to accomplish everything on my own. I can get help. I can, you know, be you know vulnerable and and still succeed." So long answer to a short question of, you know, just how do you get through kind of that psychological barrier to help them be able to get healthier versus just achieve that, oh, I want to run a marathon. You know, it's, it's bigger than that.
0: Yeah. I think that's really interesting. And, and thinking about the idea of, you know, we're, we're in the middle of summer now. So, you know, people really amping up their workout routine because they want mm-hmm. that perfect summer body. And this is the long game. So as part of that letting go process, accepting the fact that you know, you're you not gonna get that beach body in a month, it's something that happens over time. It's bigger than a physical outward appearance. There's internal stuff going on too. Um, I, I think that's the challenge for a lot of people is, is letting go of not maybe seeing that result immediately but maybe feeling it first. Mm -hmm. Do you see that a lot?
1: I do. Um, and it's really in, it's in the sleep and the stress, you know, um, when people find their outlet for stress to, you know, to let go of things, whether it's meditation or it's breathing exercises, you know, when stress is one of the first things to get under control, they have more energy and so, when you have more energy, guess what? You can work out more, or you can work out longer. Um, the sleep is is the second thing. Like when I have clients who finally get a, a healthy sleep routine down, the next day they're like, I feel like a completely different person. I feel I feel healthier. Water. I have clients who lose weight simply by drinking enough water. Like in two weeks, they're like, I dropped five pounds, and I've really just been more aware of what I'm eating and have drank all the water that you tell me to, to drink, you know, because their body, when you're dehydrated, your metabolism slows down and you retain water because you're dehydrated. So it, it's, it, it's awesome to see that even just little tiny things will start to give you the physical results that you're looking for. It just gives you a little bit of motivation. And, you know, I tell my, my, clients all the time you know you want a beach body go to the beach there you are you (laughs) you you are built you already have a body go to the beach now you have a beach body like it's that's that stress that people put and those expectations that people put on themselves whatever that beach body in their mind looks like is you know it's it's such a shame because I'm like this is (gasps) This is so much more than how you look in a bikini. This is, this is not this is how long you're living for your kids and your grandchildren. So um, it's it takes a while to kind of get there. And some people have physical goals and that's that's totally fine. Um, I'm there to support them and whatever their goals are and how they feel. Um, but sometimes it's the first three things. If we get those things down, physical you know, things start to happen where they, they look at themselves in the mirror and they see something different. They see brighter skin. They don't see dark circles under their eyes. They feel more confident. You know, that's really something from a leadership standpoint that people don't realize that your physical self really does impact your confidence levels. And it doesn't matter how many degrees you have or, you know, who, what corner office you have. If you're not confident, it comes through in how you interact with your customers and your employees. It affects it affects you. And, and your physical self and your emotional self all play into confidence.
0: I totally get that. You know, one of the things we do here uh, with the Bond Consulting Group is that that image and branding of a person. So a lot of the executives we work with are confused that, oh, you're, you're organizational transformation, but you're also helping us with our style. Uh, but it really, to your point, Nikki, comes into play just like the health and wellness piece that if you're not dressed in a way that makes you feel great, if you're not getting a good night's sleep, if you're not taking care of yourself in those ways, eventually, maybe not right away, eventually it catches up because you're playing a game against yourself mm-hmm. and eventually your your subconscious or whatever else is going on catches up and um, you know you get to that place where you hit a wall. So Mm -hmm. with that, how do you bring your, your executives or your clients along to that magic moment? Let's call it of the place where they can let go and move through this work. How do you bring people, especially people that are really resistant to, to this work?
1: So it's something I learned years ago as a speechwriter and a communications consultant, and that's trust. And so they have to, and that's why I work with the people I work with, because I have lived that lifestyle. I have interacted with their peers. And so I understand, and I there's a lot of confidentiality. There's a lot of trust. I mean, that's really important to my clients. Um, because they, to be vulnerable, they have to feel like they can trust you and that it is, you know, it's not going anywhere. It's, it's, it's a client relationship that they, you know, they can feel, um, completely comfortable being vulnerable. So it, it takes, like I said, the first probably four weeks, unless I already know them, you know, have worked with them in the past, but it's the first four weeks and it's really being that, um, that confidant to them is to say, you know, especially, um, you know, people who have never kind of let down their guard um, wh- when it comes to their personal life or, or admitted that they can't handle something on their own. Um, so it's just, it's being there. Um, and that's why my services are kind of arranged, almost like a retainer relationship. I mean, that's the language that they speak and that they understand is that I'm there every day. This isn't a once or twice a week Um, you know, engagement with a personal trainer at your gym, you know, they text me and they're like, hey, I'm at the grocery store. And I'm staring at 17 different varieties of Greek yogurt. And you told me I should be eating more Greek yogurt. What do I do? Like, what, what do I buy? That's the kind of relationship that I have with my clients, because it's, that's what they need they are used to having support and you know people around them who you know help them with the information they need so i do the same um so it's trust it's building trust it's building rapport it's building um you know that that relationship where they feel like at any moment they could text me and say i'm sitting at this rest this italian restaurant what should i order for dinner you know And so, um, so I start by just, I I build that trust and I let them know that everything that they say is, you know, there's no recordings. There is nothing that is, unless they want it, you know, for their own use later to go back, but our, our sessions are all highly confidential and, and, uh, you know, I'm there to answer the questions that they may feel foolish asking somebody else or even searching for it on the internet you know, and, and some of them have, and they're like, I I don't even know where to begin. So it really is about trust. It's like any other client, you know, service provider relationship. Once they trust you, then everything opens up and, and you can really help them.
0: Yeah. What advice would you give to somebody who does truly does not believe, even though I disagree with this, but truly doesn't believe they have the time to work out or to eat well, um, or someone who has a, a serious food addiction where they simply you know when they get stressed or or tired, they they can't help it. they have to eat. what would what advice would you give to those people that are listening today to to start to make a difference?
1: So, I would say for the time aspect, and i <clears throat> I deal with this all the time with clients, is we typically will do a review of their calendar and I break it down. It's so you do not have to do an hour of exercise every single day. So a lot of people, again, high achievers, you know, going up. These are people who go above and beyond in every aspect of their life. So they come into it with a mindset that if I can't do an hour every day, if I I'm can't go doing to a it. hardcore spin class <laughs> every day for an hour, then what? Well, that's then it's not even worth it. Yeah, so we immediately squash that misconception and i say let's find three 10 minute pockets in your day where can you let's look at your calendar we share a screen there where they send me you know like a, a screenshot of their calendar and i'll say okay so it looks like you have a call here you know after that call can you protect uh, just a half an hour of time you know and, and often it's working with their administrative team or their you know their um administrative uh, person who can help them protect that time. And that's how I, I said, this is a meeting. This is a meeting with yourself. So we find those three pockets of time, or if they have, you know, a little bit of time in the morning before their workday gets started and a little bit of time at the end of the day, it, we break it down into manageable chunks. I, I never tell somebody, you know, go hard or go home or, you know, any of those other cliches it's how can we make this work for you we want to get in let's say our our goal is you know the recommended 150 minutes of physical activity a week that's five days 30 minutes a day or you know stretching it out further if it's only 20 minutes a day you know maybe do six days so we figure out where it fits but the first thing i would say is like stop thinking that you have to do an hour a day. That is by far the biggest misconception that I get with people is they're like, I don't have an hour to work out every day. And I said, well, you don't need an hour to work out. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing is movement, all movement counts. That's walking your dog, that's playing with your kids, that's cleaning the house, that's, you know, anything that you might be doing that is functional activity, it's activities of daily life is what we call it. That all counts. That's movement. That's your steps. You know, you're you're doing the things you need to do, and getting in a little bit of activity. From the food standpoint, if they are truly somebody who is, um, you know, has an addiction to food, has a has some disordered eating patterns, I would probably refer them to somebody who specializes in that. But the first thing, if it's just people who are like, I snack. I just snack at night because I'm stressed or I'm watching a TV show. And, you know, I just am mindless. We do a lot of uh, around mindful eating Mm -hmm. and it's just really like, let's plan those snacks. So I have a client right now who says, you know, she's tracking her food, which is great. And, you know, it's something that it helps people get on track, but she said, well, I don't know how to, you know, account for the handful of potato chips I had while I was making my daughter dinner. I said, how about this? Why don't you take a plastic baggie, put a serving of potato chips in that bag, track it so you know you've already accounted for it, and then you don't have to worry about You don't have to worry about it. You know you've had a serving of potato chips, pretzels, whatever it is that you, know, you want to have as a snack, and have it throughout the day when you want to have a couple of pretzels. Grab a couple of pretzels out of that bag that you've already set aside you've already put it into your plan it takes uh, she's like that is the easiest thing she Mm -hmm. said but it just it took the stress off of me it took the guilt away because she goes I felt like I didn't know how much I was eating and so then I was feeling badly about it Mm -hmm. she's like but I just you know so I tell all my clients with snacks pre pre pre-measure it Mm -hmm. then you have you know this is these are my snacks for the day And you can have them whatever you want and not feel badly about it. So it's little things like that. Um, It's, you know, putting in a, um, you know, if you put a bag of popcorn in the microwave and then again, when you take it out, instead of eating it out of the bag, it's like putting it into a bowl and a serving size. It's, it's just being more aware. Mm -hmm. Um, It's slowing down. It's actually eating at times when you have the time to eat versus I have five minutes. And so I'm going to try to shove something in my mouth because I'm hungry and I've got to do all these things to, okay, I'm going to have one of my snacks. And then when I come home from dropping my kids off at soccer or wherever they need to go, I'm going to have an actual meal. Mm -hmm. And so that it's, it's just more mindful, but that's, those are the two things that I would do with, with those who just feel like they're just kind of out of control.
0: Yeah. And I totally, um, agree with that. It's the distracted versus mindful eating.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I know myself when I am looking at my phone and sending emails while I'm eating, which is really something we try not to do in our household. Uh, but sometimes it happens. And I, I I note that I eat significantly more. And mm-hmm. so I, I agree. And I think that that takes us, Nikki, right into this idea of intention.
1: Because
0: mm-hmm. I think I believe that having intention in your health and wellness routine and how you move and, and what you're eating, when you're eating, has a significant impact on the results of how you feel, um, of the physical outcome. So I, I want to talk a little bit about um, setting intention. For people that aren't familiar with this idea, this idea of setting intention around these routines Um, with the example of let's use the the cognitive benefit, the example of perhaps you are really stressed about something at work or you're weighing out a big decision instead of keeping that thought in your thinking mind, being able Mm -hmm. to move it through your physical body, um, and, and make a decision by listening to your body rather than just having to force your mind to maneuver through everything. So Nikki, if you wouldn't mind, I'd love to hear a little bit about your perspective on that
1: yeah, so um one of the things that you know research points to is that physically moving um, in a time of stress. so i I often say to people the the act of getting up from your desk after you read an email that stresses you out forces your brain to focus on something else. instead of sitting there and staring at the email, and i'm I'm using this. it's not really an exercise example, but You know, I do a lot of stress workshops. And, you know, so the idea of getting up, moving in a different direction, putting on your shoes and going outside for a five minute walk down the block completely changes the pathways in your brain and what you are thinking of. You have time to think about it, to formulate a response before you just start to respond sitting there at your desk. But when you, are, when you are physically active, so if you take that example aside, when you are physically active, it's a form of stress. So if you're running on the treadmill, cortisol levels are, you know, are going up in your body, and that's your stress hormone, and that's okay because that is, that is a good use of that hormone. So when, you, when your body is dealing with that, it's able to kind of disconnect from the other stress in your life because it has to deal with the fact that you are putting one foot in front of the other, increasing your heart rate, blood is flowing. You know, there's all these things that your body has to do, so it kind of it takes the focus off. And then, yes, you sometimes can kind of work out the problem while you're running or or doing whatever uh, physical activity you're doing. But there's there's some real science behind a stressful event and the act of physical fitness that can help, you know, kind of remedy that, you know, there are lots of other ways to deal with stress. And like I said before, meditation or breathing exercises, but the idea of the physical, like saying to yourself, I'm going to get up and go for a walk instead of sitting here and stewing about this email or, you know, really letting this, this stressful moment get the best of me. There is science behind that that says this is, this is the right way to deal with that and that you will have a better outcome from the stressful, you know, situation as well as your physical health. You won't let your, your blood pressure is not going to skyrocket because you're sitting there internalizing that stress. So there there's so many benefits to the physical movement part, when there is, Mm -hmm. you know, there are things in your life that you need to deal with and setting that intention and saying, I'm going to deal with this in a different way, Mm -hmm. really does benefit you in the long run.
0: So when we have a, a stressful scenario, and we decide to move instead of ruminate, do you think that there's a possibility that we're somehow repressing or suppressing that that situation and it sits with us or does movement allow us to release it in some way?
1: I feel like – so I, personally, it allows me to release it and then reframe it mm. and so look at it from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. When I put my shoes on, I get the dog, and I go outside – I'm still thinking about it. I mean, it's not like I'm, you know, like all of a sudden it's out of my head. <laughs> I wish it was that easy. Um, so I'm still thinking about it. But even the change of scenery and even the change of, you know, maybe seeing someone in the neighborhood and saying hello. I mean, it just, there's a, you know, it just reframes how you're thinking about that that incident instead of sitting there with it kind of in your face. And you're, you know, all you're focused on is that. So I do think it helps release it, but then it's not going away. It's, it's how then you're able to kind of reframe those thoughts. Mm. Um, I often, if I'm stuck, you know, and I, I feel like this is, I'm so stressed out and I can't, I can't get to where I need to be by the end of the day. You know, I will get up in the middle of the day and just go outside and walk because that is the best, the best solution for me at that moment And I come back and I'm refreshed. The fresh air is good for you, the sun, you know, the vitamin D, all of the things that are outside. When you come back in and you sit down, yes, you're going back to thinking about it, but you're probably thinking about it a little differently and without maybe the immediate emotion of the stressful event.
0: Yeah. And I also, listening to you, I I, I also think that this would absolutely impact the way we show up for life. Um, Mm -hmm. if we're practicing movement in our routine, if we're eating well, um, how does this change how someone shows up for work each day?
1: So, I mean, there's so, there's so much out there that points to physical movement and really good, wholesome kind of, you know, nutrition. It affects our mood. It affects our attitude. It affects our creativity It it literally is just, it's intertwined with our emotional and intellectual systems where we are better people. We are better leaders when we put our health first, Mm -hmm. when we are healthy, we come into the office with energy, we come into the office or the, the, the workspace with energy, with confidence, with, um, you know, a willingness to collaborate, to be creative. I mean, it's, I have seen unhealthy leaders who are, you know, they're physically unhealthy and they're maybe, un, you know, unhappy with themselves and they're not, they're not fun people to be around. They're not, you know, they're not always the most positive and they're not the, the people who are building a, an atmosphere at work of, you know, collaboration and things like that. So there, there's a ton of evidence, but I've just, I've just seen it firsthand in 20 years of working In, you know, a a corporate setting, people who are healthy are happier. They are, they're just better versions of themselves because they feel good. They have energy. I think energy is probably the key word. Um, They bring a different energy to the workplace, and it's contagious. And like your kids, your employees will follow your lead if you're a healthy leader and you encourage, you know, physical fitness and, you know. Eating better, you know, at every meal. If you're encouraging those kinds of behaviors, you're going to have a healthier, happier, and guess what, a more productive workforce. So it's like your kids. You know, if you set the example, they will follow. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, with as important as all of this is, and in the data that backs up. Um, The fact that moving through healthier movement, a healthier meal plan is going to help you be a better, more energized person. Um, How do you think organizations can incorporate more of this type of work into their engagement programs, into their culture so that they're giving this, they're, they're feeding it to their leaders and employees?
1: Yeah, so I think the first thing is finding out what their employee's Actually, want you know most most companies believe that you know they have to do some lunch and learn workshops and they have to do a step challenge or you know or they'll maybe you know use what is um, available through their um, health insurance provider and that's great but you have to really look at your demographics you know do you have an older workforce a younger workforce. Um, What are their, um, you know, what's their ability to, to go in to say some to someone, I'm a leader who eats a vegan diet and runs, you know, 17 miles a week. It's, that's not, you know, that, that doesn't apply to everyone. So the first thing that I do when I work with um, clients who want to bring wellness into the workplace is let's, let's figure out what employees want. Let's ask them, let's form, you know, some small focus groups. Let's talk about what um, what they're, they're interested in doing. And then it's really just small changes, things that you can do within the company culture. So it's, you know, allowing for, you know, vacation time, you know, it's, it's giving them the freedom to, there are lots of companies right now who are going to unlimited vacation time. Mm -hmm. Um, there are, it's, it's, it's encouraging the benefits that you have already given them. That's probably the first step to a healthier workplace is having a culture where vacations are encouraged and expected that they take that time off, Um, making sure that people feel that they can get resources through, maybe it's the employee assistance program for some of the emotional and psychological challenges and issues, especially this last year, you know, do they know that they have access to, Resources and programs through your EAP, Uh, and then finally, it's just you know when you bring in lunch. Are you bringing in lunch from from plate? Is it pizza every Friday? And that's fine if it's pizza once every you know every other Friday. But can you bring in healthier choices? Can you have vending machines or um, you know products in your office in your break room that are just a little bit healthier? Just provide your employees with sustained energy versus kind of the sugary snacks that'll give them a little bit of a boost. Um, You know, having lots of water available, you know, having the water coolers and buying them, you know, a reusable water bottle. Those things are so minor, but really go to those fundamentals that I talked about stress, sleep and hydration. And if you can help your employees better manage those, then you can put in a step challenge or you can you know, give them discounts to a gym membership, you know, so they have the energy to actually do those things. Um, But it starts, it starts with the fundamentals.
0: Yeah, this is, these are really great tools. And um, I've gotten, I I hope we've all gotten, everyone listening has gotten a lot out of this. Um, Nikki, what does it look like when someone's imbalanced? What does it look like when you see the multiplication over the years of someone who
1: hasn't done this work? So it's, it's a lot of self, what do I want to say? I don't want to say self-hatred, but I feel like people put a lot of stress on themselves. And so they they there's a lot of blame um, on themselves. They feel like a failure. They never, it, it, not often do they blame everyone else. They know that they have to be the one to make the change. And so then again, what I see is that they're sleeping you know 4 hours a night and they're tossing and turning they have no you know way to really deal with stress they've never been taught that breathing and meditation and some of those you know more alternative ways of dealing with stress actually work mm-hmm. um they are you know they're not always overweight you know that just because they're eating a diet that is not you know the healthiest it could be doesn't mean they're overweight, but what what they're not seeing is what's happening on the inside. And they've gone years without a physical exam, because they're kind of afraid of what, you know, those blood tests might show or, um, you know, other other tests by their doctor. So I see years of neglect. they just they're they've kind of given up. And when you get to them, and they're in that situation, when you can show them just tiny things they can do to start to turn that around, the results come so quickly. It's just, it's amazing, but it's a lot of guilt. It's a lot of, you know, I, I did this to myself. They're very self-aware of that. Um, and they just feel like they don't know what to do. They just don't know where to turn at this point.
0: Beyond tools for managing stress or drinking more water, or getting more sleep. What advice would you give to someone who wants to start this journey?
1: So my advice is you just, so you figure out why you want to do this because once you have that, why that's your intrinsic motivation. That is, you know, everybody wants, to, you know, most people want to wear a smaller pant size. That's external. You know, you want to get ready for a class reunion and you're like, Oh, I'd love to drop 10 pounds. That's an external motivator. I, they need to find what's internal to them. That is, I want to live long for my grandchildren. I want to be able to play, you know, basketball with my son in, you know, in in the driveway. So once they find that why, then it's really about breaking down that, that perception that they have to do everything over the top. And it's just every little effort counts. Mm -hmm. Every effort is a win. Every step is a step in the right direction. It's getting them to embrace little imperfect actions because when they do that then it becomes a habit and then it becomes a routine and then it becomes part of their lifestyle so they have to be motivated internally and then they really have to just be willing to kind of be new at this you know be a learner be someone who is okay with not knowing all the answers um be vulnerable and just kind of take it in stride and know that like if you if you mess up today or in your head, you think you've messed up because you skipped your workout, then just start tomorrow. You Don't wait for the, another Monday. Don't wait for a new month. Start this afternoon. Go you know, Get home from work. Go for a walk for 10 minutes. That It's that simple because those little commitments to yourself will add up and they'll pay off and you'll start to see the results. And then it just snowballs in the right way yeah. <laughs> versus you know, snowballing in the wrong way when you're not getting enough sleep or you're stressed out. So it's just, it's figuring out why this is important to you. And then just making those small incremental changes.
0: The idea of taking it small is is such great advice. And for me, something that's worked is because this is something I've really struggled with more than anything else is eating well. Um, I've always been good with movement, but the eating well piece has been a struggle because I always have that sweet tooth. Um, but something that's worked for me is do the healthy thing first, even if Mm -hmm. it's small. Um, if Mm -hmm. I want to eat something unhealthy, I'll say, okay, have a slice of pizza, but first go for a walk and then decide. Mm -hmm. And nine times out of 10, after I do the healthy thing, whatever it is, I make a healthy choice to follow.
1: Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, that's a great, yeah, that's a great example. And one of the ones I use with people who skip workouts, I tell them, just stretch, just stretch Mm. for five minutes. You will feel so much better or get on the treadmill for five minutes. Set your, set your watch five minutes. If at the end of five minutes, you still feel like, I don't really want to do this. I'm tired. Fine. Whatever. It's five minutes. Nine times out of 10, nobody stops at five minutes. Those nine people still keep going. And even if it's 10 minutes or 15 minutes, it doesn't have to be an hour But, you know, to your point, do the healthy thing first, just try it, stretch, drink a big glass of water. I tell people that all the time. If you've had a, what you perceive to be a horrible day of nutrition, get home and drink the biggest glass of water that you have, because you, that will immediately, first of all, it helps with digestion. It's just gonna, you know, it's gonna get things moving in your body, but you're, you will feel better. You don't need to add anything to it. There's no you know, special recipe or anything. It's just water. So, you know, stretching and drinking water and doing some deep breathing, those are the things that when you feel like you have messed up the day can reframe your mind. You know, we were talking about it's not going away. You're still maybe gonna have a little bit of guilt about that, but you're gonna reframe it and say, you know what, at least I came home. I did a little bit of stretching or yoga or I walked for 10 minutes. You know, I did something and it's not a complete loss, you know, and, and that's, that's all you can do. So it's just the small things and immediate, don't wait, don't wait till, like I said, till the next day or even the next, you know, week, just pick up and, and do something that is good for you.
0: Yes. All right, Nikki, if you could convince your clients of one thing that would change their lives, if they just believed it, what would that be?
1: That they don't have to win. You don't have to, you don't have to win this game. There is no winning. This is, you are winning by actually taking the action every single day to be healthy. And so if you take the pressure off, your, off of yourself, no one is paying you to get healthy. So you're not going to lose your job over this. You're not going to, you know, there, there are very few risks to taking the time for yourself and prioritizing yourself. And if you could believe that, if you could take away the competitive layer that most, you know, professionals have, if you could take that away, let yourself be vulnerable and let yourself see that this is not, you know, there's not a a finish line or the finish line is, is the point is to keep it as far away as possible. Mm -hmm. I feel like they would just, so many things would be easier for them they would, it would come so much easier. They would allow themselves to, um, to kind of be in the moment of being healthy and not put so much pressure on themselves and build up this idea of what they think they have to be versus I just need to move. I just need to eat the next meal as healthy as possible. You know,
0: Nikki, that was great. And I, I, I have taken copious notes during this chat. (laughs) Um, You've helped me a lot. I'm certain that you've helped our, our audience as well. Thank you so much for joining us today in this great conversation.
1: Well, I enjoyed it. I am thrilled to be talking about this. It's something I'm very passionate about. So thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Human Method Podcast.
0: I am Megan Bond, and if you are interested in learning more about personal or organizational transformation, I would love to connect with you. You can reach me today at www.thebondconsultinggroup.com. I also want to thank Ayla Zimmerman for design and promotion of not just The Human Method, but our Bond Consulting Group site as well. She is a kick-ass designer, so please check out our site at thebondconsultinggroup.com. Sign up for our newsletter so that you can receive great content from us. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss our next episode. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to read and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our theme for the show, as always, is to be a little bit better each day. So remember, be better today.